Hello and welcome to a week 10 edition of the Establish the Run Waiver Wire Show. My name is Adam Levitan. As always, joined by our waiver wire specialist, Sam Sherman. Sam, how's it going today? I'm good. Uh, Adam, with our main event team that we streamed here on this channel, uh, moving to seven and one, uh, I was planning out how I'm going to spend the million dollars uh, that we're going to win on that team. So, you know, booking flights for vacations after the season, all that uh, good stuff. Pretty, pretty excited for that one. Yeah, it's crazy. If you guys go back and, and watch this stream that we did, it was me, Dink and Sherman split a FFPC main event, which is a 2K buy-in uh, event. It doesn't always work out. You know, this team has a real chance, I think. So yeah, you guys might enjoy going back and looking at that right now. Like Sam said, we're seven and one in the top 400, hopefully we win a million dollars. And if we do, this podcast is canceled or maybe it'll be hosted by someone else. But anyway, <laughs> we're here to talk waivers for week 10. I, I want to be clear on this point for waivers for week 10. You do not have to use a waiver party. You do not have to spend your fab money. There's nothing that says just because there's guys that are available that might be okay. You have to spend on them because this is a very weak week for waivers, in my opinion. And so if someone wants to go blast off on some guys that I don't really like just because there's no one else to blast off on this week, I'll go ahead and let them. And I would also say that this is kind of a reason why we encourage people to spend their fab money early. When you get deep like this, it can be hard to find real game changers. So yeah, any overall thoughts here, Sam, on waivers ahead of week 10? Yeah, I think you covered it well. I think the point of, you know, early in the season, we get a lot of feedback like, oh, why would I spend 50% of my fab on Kyron Williams? Why would I spend 60% of my fab on Puka Nakua? Well, looking at the list this week and this past week, you kind of see why we advise the sort of aggressive bids early in the season. It just gets, it gets weaker and weaker and there will be more ads throughout the rest of the season. So it's important to keep monitoring the waiver wire. But yeah, like you mentioned, this is why I generally like spending a lot of my fab early in the season saving some to make moves before the playoffs but yeah it's a week waivers wire week waiver wire week again this week yep and i think the one people are most excited about is keaton mitchell and i think they have in their heads that keaton mitchell is actually chris johnson like that you know he went to ecu he's undersized he's very fast he had i believe a 60 yard run and a 40 yard run in this game against the seahawks Keaton Mitchell was someone that I was stashing in like super deep leagues where I had an IR spot open. I never expected him really though to be anything more than a five to eight touch per game back. It seems like maybe the Ravens think he can do more. I, I don't know that for sure. Sam, what's your outlook on Keaton Mitchell here? Yeah, so I think with Mitchell, it's important to be realistic. And I tweeted about this earlier. I think the first thing you have to call out is his size relative to the other options Baltimore has near the goal line. <clears throat> Keaton Mitchell in the combine weighed in at 179 pounds. Now Baltimore lists him at like 190 ish. That's very, very small for running back. It's not like it's impossible for running backs of that size to have success. We've seen Devon a chain this year, obviously be successful. Kyron Williams is another smaller back who's been successful. It's not impossible but when you have 240-pound Gus Edwards and 220-pound Lamar Jackson on the same team, Keaton Mitchell is just not going to get goal line work on this team, or I'd be very surprised if he does. So that's the first thing. It's really hard for running backs that don't have goal line work or a huge passing game role, which I also don't expect Mitchell to have in the Ravens offense with Lamar never really showing a tendency to check down to running backs. I don't really expect him to have either of those. 
So that's maybe kind of a bearish outlook on Mitchell. I still think he's the top waiver wire out of the week. You know, any running back who gets over 130 yards on nine touches, like he's clearly a talented player. You know, you watch the game for last week and they actually did let him do some interior runs and he looked decent doing it. So, you know, I, I think they could relegate Justice Hill uh, his role and let Keaton Mitchell kind of serve in that role. And that that could be somewhat valuable, maybe on the flex, you know, high end RB3 range. But I just, yeah, I'm keeping my expectations tempered with Keaton Mitchell. Overall, I'm suggesting sort of a 20 to 30% fab bid. But for me, he's not an all, he's not sort of an all in guy. Obviously, know your league, know, you know, what types of guys are still available in your league. But in most like sort of casual home leagues, he's not like an all in fab player for me. Yeah. I agree. I'll probably, for the most part, people are excited about him. I'll probably let someone else get him. And it's not because I don't like Keaton Mitchell. I just think they're going to go with three backs. I think they're going to play Gus, Justice Hill, and Keaton Mitchell. And then from a projection standpoint, Keaton Mitchell's never going to project well because you can't project guys for, you know, eight yards per carry. And also, you lose rushes to Lamar Jackson and you lose all the goal line stuff to Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson. So, you know... Keaton Mitchell's not going to project well for us. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. It's going to be really, really hard for him to do so. Um, so, yeah. yeah. But if you're desperate, I don't think it's a crazy thing to try to get Keaton Mitchell if you if you really need yeah. a running back. And the other thing I'll say is, like, we want pieces of this Baltimore offense, right? Like, I, I painted maybe a bearish picture. But if you just want to say, close your eyes, I'm getting a piece of the Ravens offense, which looks really good right now. Maybe things break in his favor. Maybe Gus Edwards gets injured, like, there are paths for him to be a valuable asset for sure, which is why I think he, he's worth adding. Um, but yeah, not not wasting the rest of my fab, you know, if I have a bunch left or something like that. Now, the rest of the guys on this list aren't even really new names, right? There are a lot of guys that have been on waivers for a while, for a while that no one really wants. Somehow, Pop Douglas is only 35% owned on Yahoo right now. We saw really encouraging stuff, I thought, from Pop Douglas, namely that he played out wide with Kendrick Bourne out. And that makes Demario Douglas a full-time player for the Patriots. I think Demario Douglas should be owned in most deepish, medium to deepish leagues right now. he I think he's massive favorite to lead the Patriots and targets the rest of the way. So what do you think about that Demario Douglas stuff? I would expect him to be over 50% probably after this week, Sam. Yeah, I was surprised these numbers are so low. Um, yeah, I, I think like... Just as a reminder, we talked about this last week. Kendrick Bourne basically put up wide receiver three numbers in a similar role to what Douglas has right now. Sort of a 20% target share on the Patriots. And, you know, Douglas's dot is a little bit lower than Bourne. He's maybe not the same player, but that's kind of how I'm viewing Douglas right now. Sort of a low-end wide receiver three. And that's just a valuable player to have on your roster with bye weeks, you know, injuries coming up. He's definitely a solid flex wide receiver three so yeah that that number should be you know 70 80 percent owned i think i'm kind of surprised people are not catching on to pop douglas all right the other somewhat new name for people in maybe two quarterback leagues or deeper leagues would be josh dobbs and i just did the team by team with silva he's pretty optimistic on josh dobbs mostly on dobbs rushing ability vikings inability to generate any rushing of their own and weaponry i mean He's going to get Justin Jefferson back in the next two to three weeks. Hawkinson, Addison. We saw Josh Dobbs be reasonable for Arizona with total dust around him. So I, I actually think Josh Dobbs is interesting. I think Evan said he could be a top 15 quarterback the rest of the way. 
that sounds aggressive, but I don't think it's crazy. Josh Dobbs is going to project well for us, given the play calling and how Josh Dobbs has played this season. So yeah, I don't want to get too crazy on Josh Dobbs, but he should certainly be owned in two quarterback, obviously, and maybe in other leagues beyond that, Sam, what do you think about Dobbs? Yeah, I think again, like the quarterback landscape is so bad now with, you know, guys like Kirk Cousins, Anthony Richardson, Aaron Rodgers, unless he makes a miraculous recovery, um, all these guys on season ending IR. So if you're on one of those teams that had one of those guys, I do get making a bid on Dobbs. I think I, yeah, I, I'm sure Adam covered it or uh, sorry, Evan covered it well in your, in your preview, but I think I agree with what you were saying, you know. Dobbs has a solid rushing floor. He has maybe top five weaponry in the NFL with TJ Hawkinson, Jordan Addison, and Justin Jefferson, you know, assuming he comes back over the next couple of weeks. That's a situation that could just be really profitable for Dobbs. And you look at him now, he's already kind of close to that low end QB one range based on what he was doing in Arizona and last week in Minnesota, you know, after obviously the top tier of Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, Mahomes, Lamar, like it starts to get ugly pretty quick after that. And I could see Josh Dobbs certainly being a top 15, even top 12 quarterback rest of the season, just with that rushing floor. Again, he's been second in the NFL in rushing yards at the quarterback position behind only Lamar Jackson. Even if his passing stats aren't great, that type of rushing production just really boosts his floor and ceiling combo. So yeah. To summarize, pretty optimistic about Dobbs in two quarterback leagues, super flex. And if you're desperate for quarterback in one quarterback leagues, I can see bidding up to, you know, 10%, 15% of your fab on Dobbs. Okay. For those of you guys are listening to this, we do have the top 10 targets up here for our YouTube listeners. It's not pretty, man. It's a lot of guys, the rest of the top 10 list here that have been out there for a while. A lot of running backs that are one injury away. A lot of talented wide receivers who don't have roles. I think I'd be more likely to start preparing my teams for playoffs. I think I'm going to be there or getting things like, you know, if you have Mark Andrews adding Isaiah likely or something like that would be something that I would do as we get deeper into the season rather than some of this dead weight on your bench. Any other thoughts here on this page, the top 10 targets of the week? Yeah, uh, just quickly, I want to make the point that I think generally you should be prioritizing these handcuffed running backs that are one injury away over some of these wide receivers that have just proven they're unlikely breakout candidates. So in the first bucket of handcuffed running backs, that's Elijah Mitchell, Rico Dowdle, Kenneth Gainwell, Josh Kelly, particularly if you're, say, seven and, seven and one or whatever, you're, you're winning in your league and you have Tony Pollard. Make it a priority to get Rico Dowdle. I think he could approximate what Pollard is giving to your rosters right now if Pollard uh, went down. So, yeah, just prioritize those running backs for one injury away. And then I do have on this list guys like Michael Wilson, Jameson Williams, Marvin Mims. Yeah, at this point, you're just you're kind of praying, particularly with Williams and Mims, that their teams expand their roles. But I, I think it's unlikely. We don't need to go into too much detail there. Michael Wilson, I just quickly add, with Kyler coming back, I think he's an interesting stash. Maybe Kyler unlocks something that we weren't seeing with Josh Dobbs. So if yeah. you're looking for a wide receiver who's widely available, I think Williams is a, or sorry, Michael Wilson is a solid add. Yeah, Michael Wilson was hurt and didn't play this past week. I haven't seen an update, but hopefully yeah. he'll be back. Pretty soon, but all the all the Cardinals guys are gonna get a nice boost here 
with Kyler coming back. I did want to highlight uh, what Sam said about Rico Dowdle. There is some smoke out of Dallas. Silva talked about it a little bit on team by team that maybe Dowdle should be starting to get more work because Tony Pollard has been so inefficient. And I don't think that's the craziest thing in the world. So yeah, I think people should have Rico Dowdle on their bench right now if you're in a reasonably deep league. All right. Agreed. Best of the rest here is not pretty. One guy I wanted to highlight at the tight end position is Hunter Henry. They went to a ton of two tight end sets, did the Patriots. And I think Hunter Henry's actually like pretty decent at football, but he's not going to project, you know, he'll project the same as the rest of these guys every week. Kate Otten, Johnny Smith, Luke Musgrave, like they're all going to be very touchdown dependent. I just think Hunter Henry's role has gotten a little bit better here since the Kendrick Bourne injury. So wanted to highlight that one. Anyone else you want to highlight here on best of rest targets, Sam? Yeah, I think the only really or one of the few newsworthy guys here to talk about is Ty Chandler. Uh, obviously, with Cam Akers tearing his Achilles, Chandler now steps up into the RB2 role in Minnesota. We saw him in that role earlier this season before the Vikings traded for Akers. He was getting about 15% of the snaps, like 14% of the carries. It really wasn't a role that was worth anything, even though he does look explosive when he touches the ball, at least from my perspective, watching him in limited NFL playing time and in the preseason, he he does look good, but the team seemingly just does not trust Ty Chandler, no matter how inefficient Alexander Madison looks. So yeah, Chandler's a guy that, again, in a reasonably deep league, I think he's a good stash. There's a chance they expand his role, but more so it's just insurance. If Madison were to get injured, I think Chandler would be sort of the de facto RB1 in Minnesota. Other than that, yeah. Um, I, I do want to call it one, like, again, this is probably more of a deep league take. Cedric Wilson's route numbers have spiked consistently whenever Jalen Waddell or Tyreek Hill have missed time. That's usually been sort of limited missing time during a game, not like full missed games, but he looks like the beneficiary if either of those guys miss time. So again, deeper leagues, if you're kind of looking for a contingent upside stash, maybe along the lines of like Khalil Shakir in Buffalo, I do think Cedric Wilson is somewhat of an interesting guy in Miami where I think he'd project quite well if either Waddle or Tyreek ever miss time. Yeah. Speaking of contingent Upside. I'm curious what you think of stashes like Noah Gray if you have Travis Kelsey or Isaiah Likely if you have Mark Andrews because I know it sounds crazy to do tight end handcuffs, but it, teams would be so devastated by losing Kelsey or Andrews, like almost unrecoverable to the point where I kind of like rostering their backups who I think are actually decent. Like I think Isaiah Likely is good and I think Noah Gray is decent. So I don't know. What do you think about the contingent handcuffing of tight ends? Yeah, I think again, it depends on the the depth of your of your league. Maybe not in like 14, 15 roster spot leagues, it makes sense, but 17, 18, certainly up to 20. I'm making it a priority to get those guys. We saw it earlier this year when Andrews missed week one. I think Isaiah likely he didn't pan out, but he immediately projected as like a top six yeah. tight end. I think Noah Gray would get a similar treatment in Kansas City and would be better than the likes of the guys you see on this list, Johnny Smith. Hunter Henry, Chigakonkwo, et cetera. So I, I do like that strategy overall. I think guys, I think people have kind of caught on with Isaiah likely because we've seen it before. They're kind of sleeping on Noah Gray, who I think, again, by default would have to play a huge role in Kansas City if Kelsey missed time. Yep. All right. Any drop candidates? I mean, 
We have Miles Sanders at the top of the drops here. He's pretty much lost his role to Carolina in Carolina to Chuba Hubbard. Even if he gets it back, this team seems so broken with Bryce Young. I'd be okay dropping him. I actually dropped Marvin Mims in a couple spots this week. And yeah. I mean, if it ha- you know, if it happens for Marvin Mims based on this Sean Payton coach speak, I guess I can live with that. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts on drops for this week? Yeah. I guess t- two questions for you, Adam. I was maybe a little too cowardly to put these guys in the list, but I thought about it. At running back, do you think Damian Pierce is a drop? I, I didn't put him on this list, but I kind of think he's close to it. Like, I think I would drop him for someone like Keaton Mitchell. What do you think about that? Um, I, I think that Devin Singletary is bad enough that Pierce could come back and actually reclaim a role. Yeah. So I'd probably try to hang on to him. But if you're asking me Keaton Mitchell versus Damian Pierce straight up, I might just take a shot on Mitchell to see if his role can expand. But God, that would be thin. I, yeah. That would be, yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's fair. It's so hard to know also how many bench spots people have and stuff like yeah. that, you know? So, so yeah, but there's certainly Plenty of other drops I think people can make at this point. I'm always trying to drop wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks, whatever, before I start dropping running backs. Because, I mean, God, I mean, we have guys like Brandon Cooks and Traylon Burke. Yeah. I mean, ton of guys that you can drop now at, at, at wide receivers. So, so yeah, that would be my take. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think, yeah, like you said, Pierce with the Texans. Like, the Texans are playing so well on offense. I still think there's ways Pierce comes back and scores, you know, multiple touchdowns one week or something. And then the other guy – not in this list. I guess for people listening along, um, I have Brandon Cooks, KJ Osborne, Joshua Palmer, Curtis Samuel, guys like that in this list. The other guy I considered putting on here was Quentin Johnston. I think again, like at like you said, Adam, if I'm deciding between Quentin Johnston and dropping a running back like Mitchell, Gainwell, Pierce, even, I think I would drop Quentin Johnston at this point. Yeah. Like, man, everyone's cleared out of the way for him in the Chargers wide receiver room, and it's still not happening. Like in deeper leagues, I would still hold on to him, mm-hmm. but shallow leagues, like I think you can say goodbye to Quentin Johnson. He's just grading out so, so poorly and like all the advanced stats, yeah. all the regular stats, like, man, it's rough for him. He, he is playing a ton. I mean, he's on the field a ton and he did see a lot of Sauce Gardner last night in that game, but still, I mean, it, it, it doesn't look good right now for yeah. Quentin Johnston. All right, one more slide here for deep league targets man it's getting real thin the goddard injury maybe opens some stuff up for albert o or jack Stoll, but i just think that they're going to go to more Devonte smith more aj brown and maybe some zacchaeus slash julio jones anyone else you want to highlight on this deep league target list um no we don't need to talk about too many of these guys i guess michael carter um he like clearly surpassed dalvin cook after like slightly surpassing him the past couple of weeks, it wasn't even close on Monday night. The Jets are done with Dalvin Cook. So again, if you're looking for a guy who's maybe an injury away from being relevant, Michael Carter's a name worth mentioning here. And then the last one, tight end premium leagues. I guess you can do worse than Daniel Bellinger at tight end. But man, with <laughs> Danny DeVito or Tommy DeVito, whatever the hell his name is, like you probably have better options. But he will be the full-time starting tight end for the Giants. So yeah. I guess that's Ballinger is going to project for like three for 27 every week. You know, it's yeah, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be good. No. All right. Let's get to some of your questions here. Appreciate the people who sent some in on 
Twitter, Joshua Burke says, is there a secondary pass game option on the Chargers worth investing in? So if you're out on Quinton Johnston and you still think Justin Herbert can be good, in theory, there should be stuff here. There should be Jalen Guyton or Gerald Everett or Donald Parham or something like that. I don't know. I'm more worried about Herbert, though, than I am excited about any of these other guys. So what do you think about secondary stuff in Chargers pass game? Uh, I don't really think there's much here. Jalen Guyton was a guy who earned the routes in place of Josh Palmer last night with also Quentin Johnson seeing an uptick in routes. But we know who Guyton is at this point. He's kind of like the Chargers version of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He's not going to be fantasy relevant, just a deep threat. And yeah, we've already talked about Johnson. I, I, I guess I would still hold Johnson in like deeper leagues. Like you mentioned, Adam, he did have a tough matchup versus the Jets. He's running a ton of routes. I think that makes him worth holding on to, but he's very, very close to cuttable. And like we talked about, I'm, I'm cutting him for the likes of some of these handcuff running backs. So I not too optimistic about these secondary chargers guys. Alex says is Deontay Foreman or Roshan Johnson a drop with Khalil Herbert coming back. Is it? And then we'll get to his second part of his question in a second here. Yeah. I think it's flying under the radar that Khalil Herbert's coming back. Foreman has seized control of this backfield. But I still think Herbert's going to mix in. I still think they like Roshan Johnson and their quarterback is Tyson Bajan. So, and Justin Fields could be back soon, which, you know, isn't much better for these guys. So, yeah, what do you think about the Bears backfield now? Could you drop Roshan or Foreman? Yeah, I think you can certainly drop Roshan. I don't really see what the point of rostering him is anymore. Um, Foreman now kind of goes back to more of a contingent upside guy and with the bears offense likely being not that good down the stretch. He's someone I'm fine dropping like uh, that list that we talked about earlier with Elijah Mitchell, Josh Kelly, Kenny Gainwell, some of these handcuff running backs that are in better offensive situations. I think I'd prefer just for their upside over someone like Donta Foreman. Second part of the question from Alex was unrelated, but he says, is it time to start stashing defenses with plus playoff matchups. So this is something that we were actually talking about this morning for our FFPC team. If you're eight and one, should you be already looking ahead to playoff matchups at defense? I tend to think yes, but only if your bench is super big. And in these FFPC leagues, you're talking about 20 man rosters. So yes, yeah, Sam, what do you think about stashing DST right now ahead of actual playoff matchups? Yeah, I think in your normal 16, 15 roster spot leagues, it's still a little bit early for that. I'd say like if you have a really good defense, like the Browns or the Chiefs maybe, I would hold them through their buys and their bad matchups. But on most teams, I'm probably still just holding one defense and using my roster spots for handcuff running backs. But yeah, once you get up to the FFPC main event, those style leagues, 20 roster spots, I think now is the time to start thinking about rostering multiple defenses, trying to game out the playoff schedule for those defenses and, and thinking ahead. Yader Vargas says, would you drop Tajay Spears or Zach Charbonnet for Khalil Herbert rest of season? So like I said, Khalil Herbert's coming back. I think Foreman has played well enough to continue to have a role. They like Roshan Johnson, at least in passing protection situations so and i'm excited about spears and charbonnet so i, I don't know here on this one i'd probably try to I th well let me see what sam says and then i'll make a final <laughs> rule. and then i'll make a final ruling here on dropping spears or charbonnet for khalil herbert yeah that's a that's a good tactic there it's a tough question <laughs> um i probably 
would drop Spears for Herbert, but it's very close. I guess with Spears, I just have like a little bit more questions about his contingent upside. He is sort of on the smaller side, more of a change of pace back, has not seen a heavy carry load in any game this season. Even if Henry went down, I think he projects into a big role, but we just haven't seen it yet. Whereas we have seen it with Herbert. With Charbonnet, he's the prototypical three down back based on his college profile, based on his size. I think, you know, Seattle's offense is just probably better than Tennessee's as well. So yeah, if I'm choosing between these three guys, I think I rank it Charbonnet, then Herbert, then Spears, but man, yeah. flip a coin and Herbert and Spears, to be honest, like that's tough. Yeah, certainly Charbonnet is the best, right? I mean, Charbonnet, you can even start in a pinch while Kenneth Walker's healthy. You know, it's not great, but you can at least do it. I, I would not do that with Spears and Derrick Henry, I don't think. So to me, Charbonnet is, and, and Charbonnet has better contingent upside as as Sam said. Spears versus Herbert, I, I'm fine going Herbert there. I, I think he's been an effective runner in the NFL. And I actually think the longer Bajan starts, which, you know, Fields is going to be back soon, but Bajan is certainly better for the running backs. More rushing touchdowns sure. available and more receptions. Uh, Windsurfer says, Algier or Tank Dell if both are available on waivers. So I'm surprised either of these guys are on waivers, but I I would probably go Tank Dell here because if Arthur Smith gets fired, you could see Tyler Algier just like receding to a non-role. You know, any other coach in the league would be playing the number eight overall pick over a fifth rounder in Tyler Algier. So if Arthur Smith gets fired, Algier could be total dust. I like Tank Dell here assuming that you have equal needs at running back and wide receiver. What do you think about that one, Sam? Yeah, for me, it's, it's pretty clearly Dell. I think, yeah, rookie wide receiver. He's seeing like a 20% target share uh, on the season when he's been active. Uh, that's just really exciting with how well CG Stroud is playing. And I agree with you. I, I think, you know, if a, if Arthur Smith gets fired or B, if he just <laughs> comes to his senses, he, he can't, he can't play Algier over Bijan like this. Like he's going to get fired if he does this for the rest of the season and they lose games. I think it's just an egregious use of a top eight overall pick who many consider a generational running back prospect. Who's looked really good when he's on the field, considerably better than Tyler Algier and Arthur Smith still plays Algier over him. So I, man, I, I, I would love to, he's also making the GM look bad, right? The GM is the yeah. one who, who made the call to take Kyle Pitts fourth overall controversially to take Bijan Robinson eighth overall controversially. The GM makes the call to do that. And then he make, he looks like a clown because Arthur Smith won't use them optimally. So yeah, I think firing is definitely on the table. I mean, I mean, definitely on the table Agreed. for Arthur Smith. Oh, this one hurts. Kenny powers. Kenny powers says, can I drop Christian Watson, please? So Christian Watson obviously had the hamstring injury to start the season. Came back, looked pretty healthy for two or three games there. Didn't put much in the box score outside of that one really long play that he had where he got tackled, horse collared down by the end zone. Now he's dealing with back and neck issues. I don't know if he's going to play this week. It's bad. If you had to drop him, I don't hate you for it. I'd love to know who you were dropping, who you were getting. Like, I would rather have Christian Watson than Keaton Mitchell. I would rather have Christian Watson than Demario Douglas. But I understand if you want to drop him for someone better than that. What do you think about the state, the state of Christian Watson on people's rosters, Sim? Yeah, it's it's brutal. I mean, I took so much Christian Watson in best ball this year that if uh, we don't win this million dollars in yeah. FFPC, I'm going to be living under a bridge pretty soon. So uh, Christian Watson, yeah, I don't know. 
Um, I think I agree with your take. I don't have a whole lot to add. I, I agree with you. Like, if you're going to drop him for someone, I don't hate you for it. I do prefer him over these top 10 names on this list. But I know in some leagues, there's guys like Charbonnet, Tank Dell, guys like that are available. Yeah. I'm cutting Watson for them. Agreed. Um, at this point. All right. Last question we're going to do today comes from GEF. He says, I'm in bye week hell in a 10-man league. Who do I drop? Zach Moss or Rasheed Rice? Roster is slightly stronger at wide receiver. So Zach Moss had a big chunk taken out of his role this past week. JT consolidated to a pretty big degree. Meanwhile, Rasheed Rice has not gotten over 60% of the routes since Justin Watson returned and they signed Nicole Hardman or traded for Nicole Hardman. So I wish that they would give Rasheed Rice 80% of the routes. I think he'd be a smash at that, but they're not doing it. Meanwhile, Zach Moss has awesome contingent upside. If Jonathan Taylor were to go down and Jonathan Taylor has had a bunch of injuries over the last year, Zach Moss would be easily top 15 running back. So tough one here, Sam. Do you drop Zach Moss or Rasheed Rice? Um, I think I would drop, if the way this is phrased, if I'm slightly stronger at wide receiver, I would drop Rasheed Rice. In a situation like this, this is getting really niche in the strategy, but Rasheed Rice is on bye this week. Mm -hmm. There's a chance you can not roster a kicker wait until the Sunday, Monday night games to see if those kicker points are going to matter. Like sometimes it turns out you get to Sunday night and your matchup is over no matter what. In that case, I would just not start a kicker that week and keep Rasheed Rice. Mm. But that's that's really getting the weeds uh, there. If you're not able to do that, I think um, if my hand is forced, I'd cut Rasheed Rice probably. Well, one thing I would say is that in a lot of leagues, especially more casual leagues, and in a 10-team league, honestly, maybe he won't get picked up. It's possible that you could drop Rasheed Rice or Zach Moss and you get him back next yeah. week you know what i mean i don't think that's crazy in a 10 team league especially moss after the way that he was he was used this past week like if you drop moss you might actually be able to get him back in a 10 team league so yeah it's definitely stuff to consider there for gef all right appreciate the questions from everyone if you want more on waivers be sure to head to establish the run.com check out sam's article where he dives deep on all of these guys and recommends fab bids for sam for producer Steven, for producer Adam, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody.